Have you ever wanted to market your landscape company to high-end architects and landscape designers who then refer your company for the actual installation and construction? While building those relationships can absolutely take time, today's podcast guest, Ian McCarthy, shares how he's shortened this process using a proven method with easy steps that helped him get to over $10 million in revenue in just under five years. So Ian, thanks so much for joining us today. Of course, you know, in business, you through networking, you get introduced to people, you meet them, associations and things. What else can people do to proactively build relationships with architects and designers? How do they find them? Well, I think, um, you know, first of all, you need to make sure that your company's image is something that would be palatable to them. So you've got to have a website that shows, you know, the high-end type of work they would be doing as well as social media. But in order to find them, it's available online. You know, whether you go on Google and search landscape architects, designers in your area, um, or another website that's uh, very handy is House H-A-U-Z-Z. They often list these professionals by trade within your area. Um, and so you can build a database, you know, searching online as well as local or regional architect design builder you know associations that will oftentimes publish their lists online that's great so once once you've identified some of these people and using you know using maybe things like linkedin also how Mm -hmm. do you how do you reach out to them initially what are some of the ways that you start building that relationship well i mean i say that it's kind of like a guerrilla warfare approach you basically start out with a a nice portfolio cover letter, I would mail it directly to them. I would start sending LinkedIn messages to the principals. Um, One technique that I found that was very successful was going on Instagram and finding like, say my biggest competitor that's in that space, finding out who's following them and who they're following, that would be designers, architects, and then just simply clicking follow. And then chances are they'll follow you back because you're in the same industry. Now you've got their attention in a passive way to where they're going to see all of your projects and your posts and your videos mm-hmm. so that they're going to, it's, it's about consistency of branding where they get the letter in the mail, the package, they set it aside. And then all of a sudden they see you on Instagram mm-hmm. and it just starts to permafrost to melt the mind so that they start to be aware of you. I love it. I, I love doing multi-step multimedia marketing. I, I personally do a lot of it with, we send beef jerky to people. We send out a, a marketing toolbox. If you haven't gotten one, you can grab one at um, landscapersguide.com slash toolbox, right? So we send out toolboxes to people. Um, I just had a mastermind with some of my top clients and one of them presented on how they're using SendGym to send things out to people as well, automated, right? So um, sending, yeah, I love it. Sending, you know, some portfolio, um, sending, some people call it lumpy mail, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so an interesting package that's like, what is, what's in here? And they're, they're curious to open it. Um, connecting on Instagram, liking their photos is mm-hmm. one thing that I found works really well. Cause most people have Instagram on their phone and they get little notifications, right? When, when so-and-so liked your photo, right? So they're seeing you there connecting on, on LinkedIn. So these are all good ways to make them aware of you. How do you then actually go about building 
trust and and confidence that that you're capable because they're probably getting hit up by multiple people. A lot of people know that they they could be referred by these people. So how do you actually take it a step further to gain their confidence? Well, one way is um, we call it lunch and learn, where you actually contact their office and offer to buy lunch. And mm. so we've often had them uh, invite us in. We'll get Chinese food or whatever they want. And while they're eating lunch, we get the opportunity to present our company, explain our capabilities, explain how we operate. That's just a way to kind of break the ice. Um, of course, if you're able to um, see projects under construction in your area, uh, you know, people aren't doing this anymore. Pull in, ask someone who's in charge, ask who the architect is. Um, a lot of times when I see a project and I know where it is, I can say, you know, hey, I saw your project over on, you know, Jones Boulevard. And it just makes it a little bit more personal rather than just, you know, hitting them with a flat uh, advertisement. Well, I, I like that you're personalizing it and making it specific to a project that they're working on. And many, many, many companies will have a sign or branded vehicles out in front of a job site. So that's absolutely one of the ways um, Chinese food, for sure, bring whatever they like, mm. make it fun, right? So how do you then, after you kind of get your foot in the door, get an opportunity with them? Because they're, you know, some of these projects are hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? There's a lot at stake for them to refer someone. How do you get in to, to actually prove yourself after you've identified them, you've prospected them, you've you've gotten the lunch and learn what, I guess, what's your offer or what are you asking them to do when you present at that lunch and learn? I think it's, it comes down to the quality of your material and your presentation in our portfolio. We have um, other projects we've done with architects and designers, and we put their logo in there. We put a subset of their plan next to the real picture to show that we implemented it. And we do this to thank them, like, so they can see their name in our book. But it's also corporate credibility. And that's where another designer sees someone that they know in the business that's in your book. And now suddenly they go, oh, okay, you work for so-and-so. That means you're good enough to work for me. Almost a little envy, you know, started there where, you know, like, okay, if you're so good for them, then I want to work with you. And, you know, if you haven't, if you don't have that in the beginning, that's a little bit of a hurdle where you have to be able to um, sell yourself, explain that you understand the relationship the architect has with their client because their fear is that a contractor is going to come on one of their projects and kind of embarrass them or criticize them or or not honor the design and so if you're able to present yourself in a way that takes away the fear of them working with you that's when you're going to open the door for them to give you that opportunity i love it and so what are maybe tell us some stories of what's worked for you and maybe what, what are some of the results of it? How did you, and how did you learn this? That was one of the things that when we, before we pressed record, how did you actually learn this method? Because your background wasn't in landscaping. Mm -hmm. You were, you were an accountant. Right. Turned so landscaping. Back, so company. I've had, <laughs> I've owned uh, two companies. My first company I bought, it was my accounting client. It was a maintenance company on Nantucket. Didn't know anything about landscaping. I dove right in. Uh, over time, we started to be asked to do more construction type things for homeowners. Mm -hmm. And as we grew the company, expanded to the mainland, we didn't have a steady source of work. We'd have big projects and be busy. And then all of a sudden we'd be looking for the next thing. And I couldn't figure out how to get that consistent role going. So 
I had an older gentleman approach me who was looking to downsize from a big corporate uh, landscape company in Boston. And he explained to me that he was a business developer. And I was like, I don't know what that means. And he said, well, I don't like to call it sales because I'm not actually selling, but I have relationships with architects and designers. And if I join you, they will trust your company because I'm there. And so I brought him on board and we scaled uh, really well after that. And I started to learn about how to talk to architects and things that were important to them. And we, we grew the company and eventually I sold that company. And now that I started my own company in 2018, Blue Claw Associates, I wasted no time in copying his techniques and putting them to work. And they have really worked. Oh, I love it. That That's awesome. And I mean, in many ways, this could work with with any industry, um, right? This, the steps of identifying, some people call it the dream 100, right? Mm -hmm. Is, is, um, I don't know if you've, you've studied that, but basically making a list of people and then personally reaching out to them with multiple steps, multiple media, how long, if things went really well, do you think it would take to get from identifying somebody to getting an actual opportunity to do some construction for them? Well, I can tell you, I started in the spring of 2018, marketing, mm -hmm. promoting. Uh, my first jobs were family and friends, word of mouth, uh, referral, referral. But I didn't stop going to the architects. I didn't stop sending things out. I was um, on Instagram trying to get their attention. And we started in April, but it wasn't until October that we actually got a phone call from a designer um, who offered us a project in Nantucket, the opportunity of a project in Nantucket that ended up being $1.8 million. And that, that project really platformed our company. And I wouldn't have been able to take advantage of that if I didn't understand what was the hot spots that they would be looking for. Because when she reached out to us, she, she asked a, a bunch of questions and I was able to answer them in a way that gave her the confidence that I was used to working with architects, you know, cause she was desperate to find a company for her client and um, she was p afraid to find, you know, the wrong company. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot at stake in finding the wrong company. So, um, well, Ian, thanks. Thanks so much. What else, um, what else haven't we asked you that, that we should about what's working in implementing this system for uh, building these partnerships? Well, I think the key is that uh, landscapers and contractors need to realize that there are independent designers and architects because, you know, we have the landscape companies that are design build. They'll offer design and then install. But there are these independent companies and they spend a lot of time and the client spends money perfecting their dream landscape. And when they get to the end of it, the, the homeowner will say, who's going to build it? And so now it's an opportunity for that designer to say, well, I work with a great company here or two great companies. And that's where they become your unpaid sales force because mm -hmm. our architects and designers will actually go to bat for us and try to steer the clients to sign with us because they are used to working with us and they trust us. That's, that's amazing. So how many, how many, you know, designers or architects are you currently working with where they're, they're referring work to you and do you compensate them for those referrals? So if they're a landscape architect with a, a stamp, they probably, um, it goes against their ethics to get any kind of commission from you because mm -hmm. they work for the best interest of their client. 
and they're usually paid to supervise the project as well. But there are some independent designers who may want a, 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 commi a commission where they just, you know, got paid for the drawing. Um, so it's kind of a mixed bag, but we work for anywhere from 12 to 20 uh, on a yearly basis. And every week I have new six-figure projects rolling into my email box from different ones at different times. Wow, that's incredible. And what what do you like about this model versus doing the design the design build model? This is more of just you're just a build an installation right. company, and you have um, other other businesses under your umbrella. I'm curious if that's part of the reason you like this, or how did you end up arriving at at this business model versus we've had guests on the show who do more the opposite. They do design design manage where they then manage subs who who do everything and they're purely design and project management. We have some people who do design build, they do it all in-house. What is it about this model that that you like? Well, I think design build is a is a perfectly valid model. Mm -hmm. However, if it would more or less you'd have to be a designer or have great designers first that work for you and then you're out trying to find clients for your design team. Mm -hmm. Whereas we don't have a design team and we're able to take projects from a hundred different designers if we wanted to. Whereas if you are in the design build, it's very hard to get a project from an independent designer because they have that fear of uh, maybe that company is going to upsell design phase two, or sometimes the company's designers will be project managers and they might get along with the client and say, Hey, I would have made this round and not square and kind of critique the designer's original plan. And so they're nervous about that. So they, when they find out you don't do design, that's one thing that puts them at ease. So I guess for us, because we went this business model, we don't want to compete with them. You know, we want to show them that mm -hmm. we're all in to, to partner with them. Um, but I think, you know, it's perfectly valid. If you have talented designers on your team, that maybe design build is a better format. And, and um, yeah, I, I think that's, yeah, it's just it's an interesting choice you have to make. I think at the beginning of what are your strong suits and and um, roughly what else do you all do? So you do you do construction. Do you do maintenance? Yes, we do landscape construction and maintenance. Uh, we use one hundred percent electric equipment in our maintenance division. That was just mm -hmm. a, a choice we made. Um, we own a pool company, a pool builder. Uh, blue water pools and spas that's integrated with the landscape construction obviously well ian thanks so much for coming on the show where can we uh where can we learn more where can we connect with you so my company's main website is blueclawassociates.com the blueclawgroup.com is my consulting site we do host an event in september called building better connections where we teach this very topic about how to partner with architects designers and builders we do job site tours of our projects we actually bring some of the designers into the conference to explain how they want to pick and choose a contractor. I love it. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show, Ian. All right. Thank you very much. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Landscaper's Guide. I certainly learned a lot about uh, this model of doing proactive relationship building. And I love some of the things Ian said about using direct mail, sending people things, LinkedIn, Instagram, doing a multimedia outreach, especially for these commercial business development approaches really works best. And if you'd like to see how we do it 
and you want to get the landscapers marketing field guide we'd love to send you one with some beef jerky so grab yours at landscapersguide.com toolbox and we will ship it to you my name is jack justice you've been listening to the landscapers guide and i look forward to talking with you next week